Hello everyone and welcome to the March 23rd edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Workers' Compensation Appeals Board just issued an en banc decision suspending some of the rules of practice and procedure. Governor Gavin Newsom declared a state of emergency in response to the spread of the co- coronavirus. As of the date of this decision, several counties in the state have issued a shelter-in-place order. In light of this state of emergency, <clears throat> the Appeals Board is temporarily suspending specific WCAB rules of practice and procedure. The suspension is applicable to all district offices in the state and applies to the following rules. First, the dismissal of an application or lien claim for failure to appear is suspended. Also, workers' compensation judges and arbitrators shall have an unlimited extension of time within which to issue reports in response to petitions for reconsideration or removal. Thirdly, a suspension of the requirement in a compromise and release agreement for signatures from two witnesses. Signatures on the forms from all parties may be electronic. Also, suspension of the requirement for service by the WCAB by mail. Service by the WCAB may be made electronically with or without the party's consent. The DWC's district offices are currently closed for filing from March 17 through April 3rd. As a result, it was ordered that all filing deadlines are extended to the next day when the district offices reopen for filing. And now our crime report. The U.S. Attorney's Office announced that it will remain vigilant in detecting, investigating, and prosecuting fraud schemes related to the COVID-19 crisis. There have been reports of individuals and businesses selling fake cures for COVID-19 online and engaging in other forms of fraud. There have been reports of phishing emails from entities posing as the World Health Organization or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and reports of malware being inserted onto mobile apps designed to track the spread of the virus. The U.S. Attorney's Office will work closely with the Department of Justice, as well as state and local authorities, to both ensure that we hear about misconduct as quickly as possible, and that all appropriate enforcement tools are available to deal with it. 46-year-old Hacho Huang of San Francisco was sentenced to 12 months in prison for committing health care fraud. He pleaded guilty last December to health care fraud and making false statements related to health care matters. Huang was a health care provider who offered acupuncture, physical therapy, massage, and other services to patients in, around, in and around San Francisco. He used false and inaccurate billing codes that artificially inflated both the type of service the patient received and the time he spent with the patient. He submitted bills for acupuncture treatment when, in fact, the patient had received much shorter periods of treatment, no acupuncture treatment, or no care of any kind at all. 
Huang also submitted claims for services rendered on days when patients had not been seen by him at all, including days when he was not even in the state of California. After a patient reached the limit of acupuncture sessions allowed by the insurance program or plan, Huang falsely and inaccurately billed for other types of treatments and services that were not provided or billed under a patient's family member's health plan who never received treatment through his practice. In addition to the prison term, he was ordered to pay restitution of nearly $808,000 and a $10,000 fine. And in regulatory news, in guidance updated March 18, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission gave employers the green light to take employees' temperatures to try and ward off the spread of the coronavirus. Generally, measuring an employee's body temperature is a medical examination. The Americans with Disabilities Act prohibits medical examinations unless they are job-related and consistent with business necessity. Because the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and state and local health authorities have acknowledged community spread of COVID-19 and have issued related precautions, employers may now measure employees' body temperature. However, employers should be aware that some people with COVID-19 do not have a fever, and some people with a fever do not have COVID-19. But some labor law attorneys caution that if employers want to take workers' temperatures, they should pay employees sent home for high temperatures to limit any legal risk. Employers also should consider what they do if employees refuse to have their temperatures taken. The temperature reading should be kept confidential and the person administering the temperature check should be trained on the procedure. Employers were cautioned against using oral thermometers, which are more invasive than the infrared digital thermometers. And there may be an obligation to pay employees for time spent waiting to have their temperatures checked. When an employee returns to work under the Americans with Disabilities Act, employers can require a doctor's note certifying fitness for duty. The EEOC guidance also provided that an employer may take an applicant's temperature as part of a post-offer pre-employment medical examination. An employer may also screen applicants for symptoms of COVID-19 after making a conditional job offer. An employer may delay the start date of an applicant who has COVID-19 or symptoms associated with it. An employer may withdraw a job offer when it needs the applicant to start immediately, but the individual has COVID-19 or symptoms of it. The Division of Workers' Compensation appreciates the efforts of the workers' compensation community to provide care for injured workers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Of paramount importance is that everyone follow all guidance from the governor, as well as federal, state, and local public health agencies regarding COVID-19. 
After adherence to all public health guidance and orders, the DWC encourages all parties to consider creative solutions appropriate to providing care to injured workers. The increased use of telehealth services for medical treatment may be appropriate. The DWC is currently evaluating the feasibility of telemedicine for QME evaluations and will continue to do so. The use of telemedicine for a QME evaluation may be appropriate where all parties agree that there is a medical issue in dispute. Although the DWC is not authorizing any particular course of action, the division recognizes that in this time of medical emergency, creative delivery methods of essential medical treatment and evaluation services may be needed. The DWC realizes that QME appointments may be affected. QMEs that cancel appointments fewer than six business days before an appointment may assert that they had good cause to do so. Policymakers and government leaders have taken a range of approaches to deal with the economic fallout from the coronavirus. The U.S. Federal Reserve slashed rates back to near zero, restarted bond buying, and launched other measures from its crisis-era toolkit. The Fed also encouraged banks to use the trillions of dollars in equity and liquid assets built up as a capital buffer to lend to businesses and households whose balance sheets and lives have been upended by the virus. The central banks of the United States, the Eurozone, Canada, Britain, Japan, and Switzerland agreed to offer three-month credit in U.S. dollars on a regular basis and at a rate cheaper than usual. The U.S. Treasury Department will defer tax payments without interest or penalties for certain individuals and businesses negatively impacted. This should provide more than $200 billion of additional liquidity to this economy. The Small Business Administration will also provide capital and liquidity to firms affected by the coronavirus. Earlier, President Trump signed an $8.3 billion-dollar emergency spending bill to combat the spread of the virus and develop vaccines for the highly contagious disease. However, the European Union leaders have also so far failed to agree to radical measures to tackle the crisis. Eurozone finance ministers, known as the Eurogroup, suggest that a large-scale coordinated fiscal boost is likely coming. And in other news, workers' compensation insurers in at least two states have decided that they will guarantee workers' compensation benefits for health care workers and first responders. Kentucky Employers Mutual Insurance Company will pay wage replacement benefits for any first responder or employee in the medical field who is quarantined because of direct exposure to a person diagnosed with COVID-19. Kentucky's announcement follows a decision on March 5 by the Washington State Department of Labor and Industries 
to pay wage loss and medical treatment expenses for any healthcare worker or first responder who is quarantined because of coronavirus exposure. Washington operates a monopoly workers' comp system, so this policy impacts every employee in the state who is covered by the state system. The department has already received several workers' comp claims due to coronavirus exposure, but it is not known if they were filed by medical or healthcare workers. However, a quarantine normally would not be covered by workers' comp unless the worker was made ill by workplace exposure. Coronavirus claims by Washington workers outside of healthcare or emergency services will be decided on a case-by-case basis according to the state's workers' comp statutes. The National Council on Compensation Insurance, a rate advisory organization for most states, said that it remains to be seen whether other states will follow Washington state's lead. Many state workers' comp statutes exclude ordinary diseases of life, such as the common cold or flu. However, NCCI said at least 10 states have issued mandates for coverage of coronavirus by health insurers. The directives vary, but include coverage for testing and visits to emergency rooms or urgent care facilities without deductibles or co-pays. Two additional insurance carriers gave notice of their stand toward the coming workers' comp claims in notices last week. Texas Mutual Insurance Company and SAFE, Oregon State Chartered Workers' Comp Insurer, both issued bulletins that said they will decide whether coronavirus exposure is compensable on a case-by-case basis. The Division of Workers' Compensation in California will temporarily close its San Jose, Oakland, and San Francisco district offices to comply with shelter-in-place orders. The division's headquarters office, which includes the medical unit, return-to-work supplement program, uninsured employers' benefit trust, and legal unit, will also close temporarily. Staff will work remotely and are available by phone. The DWC is closely monitoring the situation and will update the public of any changes. The DWC and the WCAB announced March 16 that they are limiting court appearances to protect the health and safety of its staff and the community, in accordance with numerous public health orders suggesting that gatherings in public be limited. So that is all of our news and our events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news podcast and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Folst with Floyd Scarin Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.